What if you did work? What if you took action and made it happen and started living inside of your purpose? What if you did work? Right now you can make the choice to never listen to that negative voice no more. The hardest prison to escape is our own mind. I was trapped inside that prison all for a long time. To make it happen, you gotta take action. Just imagine what if it did work. Are you a startup or a business owner looking to collaborate with industry-leading influencers on social media? Then sign up at accessmynetwork.com and start your brand awareness campaigns or lead gen campaigns on our platform. Again, it's accessmynetwork.com. What if it did work? All righty, another Wednesday, another day, another dollar, another episode of my favorite podcast. You know, I'm being a little biased. The what if it did work? Now, here I've got a guest. I know one of my missions, I know I've stated this more and more, is just to get more Latinos on stage, more recognition. But this man is a myth. He's a legend. And he's already on stages. He's already moving the needle. He's already in the big rooms. So Jerome Maldonado, since 1993, Jerome has been a self-employed entrepreneur inspired by his parents' dedicated work ethic. Jerome has always had a hunger for success and the willingness to do whatever it took to make his vision for his life a reality. He began his career in direct sales. Congratulations, man. That, I, right, right there, man, when I, when I read that. Where he was first introduced to team building, sales techniques, and real estate concepts. After a year of hard work with minimal return, Jerome hit success big time by his mid-20s. Jerome moved from making close to nothing to managing his own six-figure business. In 1997, Jerome began to explore business outside the direct sales arena. 98, pioneered a new construction company, which he took to seven figures in less than one year. Congratulations. With such with much success came the need for expansion. Understanding the simple concepts and benefits of leasing real estate, he purchased multi-use retail and commercial property to house his business. I can go on and on because you have like a like a Mother <laughs> Teresa. I, we we I'd, I'd be here just reading all your stuff. Now I, I and I, I personally know Jerome. I, I met him in with Ty Lopez, and let me tell you, if you join the program, watch the videos, and you you'll see you'll learn from the man, the myth, the legend. Well, hey, what's up, Jerome? Long time no see. No more. Yeah, bro. It's good to see you. So, dedicated work ethic by your parents. What did your parents do? They just cut. Acres of weeds, mow acres and acres of lawn with, they, they, they just made us work. You know, they, they didn't, there was a chores that had to be done. There was, there was high, there was always high expectations set for us on what we needed to do around the house. And um, I think we, the kids lose a lot of that today. Um, and I don't know where it was lost because I don't know who's doing the work because I, I know most people aren't paying uh, for people to do it for them, but I think it's a lost art. You know, we, we had a lot of land growing up and my parents didn't grow up with a silver spoon in their mouth. In fact, uh, they grow up probably less, um, less affluent than most. And um, they just, they just had an expectation for us to get up every morning and, and go to work and, and uh, put our best foot forward on everything that we did, not just uh, working around the house, but in school and in uh, work when we got jobs at a very young age. And it was just something that was expected out of us. We didn't think so twice about it. You know, Saturday mornings were house cleaning days, 8 a.m. Didn't matter what you had going on Friday night. Um, you were up cleaning, um, you know, inside, outside. And um, our house was always spot, spotless, you know. And um, it was just a little bit of everything when we were growing up. Now, Jerome, with work ethic, do you think you have to instill that at an early age? Or can somebody be dead-ass lazy? then fall fall off their couch watching Netflix in their 20s, 25, 26, hit their head and go, hey, it's on. Bring it. Well, you know, it, it obviously it's going to it's going to move milestones when it starts at a young age. Parents out there, I think it's a, a lost commodity that I think parents would rather not fight with their kids or press them and have the uh, have their kids press back. I think they don't like the animosity. So I think they've lost that little gem that we had when I, when we were kids, but I think anybody can do it. I've always said, it's not like a light switch though. You can't just go and say, okay, I'm going to be lazy. And then one day just flip a switch and go, okay, I'm motivated from today forward. And I think it's a big mistake that people make 
And I tell young kids, when we, when we were in the subway business, we had a lot of kids working for us. We, uh, we owned a lot of franchises. We had um, uh, many stores and we had a lot of kids working for us. And we got to see the majority of what we, what we pulled when we uh, hired. And we got to a point where we said, okay, you have, if you're in school and you're the age that you're in school, like you're 16, 17, 18 years old, you had a week. We said you have to have, be in school, you have to be in an in activity, and you have to work, all three of those. And what we said is parameters with our managers. We said, look, if you're not in, in, in all three of those things, we didn't care what activity. We didn't care if it was a sport. We didn't care if it was student senate. We didn't care if it was the chess club. We didn't care what it was. They just had to be doing something in addition to a, a sport and a, or in addition to working and going to school. So they had to have three things going on because busy people get more stuff done. And, more, and, it, it, and we, we saw it time and time again in everything that we did um, in the subway business, primarily only because of the demographics of employees that came into that business sector. And so, yes, you can, um, but it has to be a conscious choice to say, you know what, I'm sick of being lazy. I'm sick of sitting on this couch. Um, but there's very few people that will do that. So instilling work ethic in your children at a very young age, I think is crucial. No, I agree with you completely. At, at first, my ex-wife and I, we just wanted to give our kids everything because we were like, you know, this is what we didn't have. You know, you always want, well, I, I want to give them everything and whatnot. And it comes to a point that, that we sat down and we realized, you know, they're they're not going to be hungry and, and and it hit us because you need that drive you need that hey i want i need this because if you give every everything to everybody i mean it's been proven socialism it's been proven that's why when you have ultra super wealthy parents their kids aren't going to be that hungry in fact you you've heard this right that Always, usually second, third, fourth generation, once they come to this country. I mean, if you come from anywhere, I don't care if it's South America, Central America, Europe, India, you're like, man, I'm here. <laughs> you know, there is yeah. no Netflix. There, there, there is no Netflix and chill, right? So you, you lose that hunger. But I, I, that, I agree yeah. because, okay, yeah, I, when, when I hired my people for 20 years, I always felt like Nostradamus because I could tell who was going to be successful further in life and who was not. Yeah. And I hadn't been, I hadn't been wrong. Even the ones that quit horribly or got fired, they would be like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be making 300,000 while they're, they're still struggling 15, 20 years later. While the others that were grinding that were leaders are successful. Right, right, right. This second. But you're right, because with, when it came to, uh, like, uh, my oldest daughter, she plays travel soccer. She plays soccer for St. Thomas, her high school, and she still finds time to work. And she has a job, not because, you know, we're, we're poor or destitute or pay the FP&L bill, the light bill. But what you said, you have to have structure. You have to be constantly busy. And it was yeah. crazy because she switched teams, but last, last couple of years, she was playing for a team and they would call her like the trust fund baby because wait for it. She went to a, a private school and, but yet you're going to laugh. None of those kids to this day, you know, they're 17, 18 years old and they don't even have a job. They're not even working. They're not even playing sports outside of their travel soccer, but yet, and then, Hey, everybody to be a trust fund, somebody has to be dead. I'm not dead. My my ex-wife ain't dead. My mom's not dead. Her family's not dead. And you know, we didn't have that generational wealth anyway. So at least if you're gonna, you know, call somebody trust fund and whatnot, at least get the concepts right. You know, right. right. That's funny. Right. I'm sure, I'm sure you're I'm sure you you hear that from people that that you're lucky, that your kid's lucky, that you know, yeah. life is easy for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're, we're able to do for our kids more than most people are able to do for their kids. And so I think there's resentment in people because they feel like they can't buy success. And I said, well, 
and we're not trying to buy success, but we are opening doors for our, we work to try to open doors for our kids that the average person can't open. Um, and we worked for that, you know, I mean, I didn't work hard so I could say, okay, let's put you in a second, um, in a second nature school in the middle of the hood, you know, um, I, I, we worked hard to get ourselves to a place where, uh, we could do a bit more for our kids. I mean, if I, if I work hard, don't you expect to do more for yourself, your family, your kids? Um, we have expectations out of our kids and yes, our kids are probably more spoiled than we were by a, a large margin. Um, so we utilize sports and athletics to, uh, bring in the discipline and work ethic factor that, um, we, that were instilled in us as kids. And so they're the busiest kids this side of the Mississippi, Omar. I tell you, my kids spend probably anywhere between 40 and 50 hours a week doing sports each week. And they have since they were three years old. And so we utilize it as a tool. And because we are able to do more for our kids, um, I think anybody who has the means is going to um, do the private lessons, put in the time and do a little bit more for their kids to give them opportunities. Because otherwise, why we do? Why do we do it? Well, exactly. And then you guys like people like you and I, okay, the ones that are called, we're calling my kid trust fund. They're like putting the pressure on their kid. Hey, my kid needs a, a, a soccer scholarship, which is partial by the way. Yeah. Instead of like, it's like, come on, man. I, I didn't put my kids, my kids didn't do, aren't doing travel sports aren't playing sports in high school because I think they're going to be the next Mia Hamm, the next Julie Foudy. No, man, because that's so rare. And I look at my kids, they're great kids. They're not Olympians. They're not, they're not at that level, but it's to teach them real world stuff. One, you're going to have a boss. That's your coach. Whether you like them or not, that's your boss. So if you don't like your boss, become an entrepreneur, your, your teammates that you, some you might hate, you might likes, you might love, that's going to be your team, <laughs> literally in the real world. And it's that, that competitive spirit because, right, these days, oh, let's not keep score. Let's give everybody an award. <laughs> I remember I put my kids in something like that, like I-9 sports, like when they're like five. And I'm like, we're not keeping score? No, yeah. no, because it's bad. And everybody gets a trophy. And make sure the, the player of this week – is the, the the player that's picking grass or or you know that's that does absolutely nothing? I'm like, congratulations, man. So when people want to know about participation, oh, but that 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 that's not right. That's not fair, man. Get better. Life life ain't fair, you know. If if, if life was fair, brother, I'd, I'd look like Enrique Iglesias and I'd have his bank account. Yeah, what is that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you and I both, man. And, and and we'd be timeless, man. We'd be sitting here timeless. Exactly. We'd be we'd be uh, we'd be doing this on a yacht. I'd, I'd I'd pick you up on the plane, man. But yeah, but I I don't I don't understand why people equate that life needs to be fair. When has it ever been fair, man? Not since friggin' Adam and Eve to this day has there yeah. been fairness. But yeah, you know everybody's striving for for fairness and, and striving for unicorns and striving for rainbows, man. If, yeah. That, that in utopia, keep on watching Hallmark movies where everybody's good looking brother, but that ain't real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not real at all. And you know, it's, it's one of those things, man. Everybody has the shiny object syndrome. They want, they always want the best, the best. And they, and um, they want, they want everything to be fair when they get it, you know, and it's kind of what we went through with the pandemic. Right. So, you know, we, um, you know, money's pumped out. Everybody's handed out uh, free, uh, free exchange for money, and they expect to sit at home um, to receive it. And now the economy's shifting, and people are scared, and they and uh, they want the uh, wealthy to be able to exchange their uh, their the money, their hard-earned capital, um, and, and turn it in so that the world's fair, right? They want, you know, we hear this with our governmental agencies. Um, this is how. Um, world powers are lost, you know, and it's one of the things that's happening right now in the United States is that um, when the wealthy get too wealthy and the poor get too poor, they want everything to kind of go back to a balance. And yeah, we need to reciprocate revenue evenly. But, you know, what's ironic is I was always taught by my mentor, if you take wealth right now, 
and you uh, and you distribute it equally amongst all people in the world, within 10 years, it'll be back in the exact same people's hands again as it is right now today. Because it, it's not about life being fair, it's about how we think. And I've spent the better part of my life, Omar, um, working on myself, um, the way I think, the way, um, the way the, learning the way the world works financially. And, um, and, you know, those people you were talking about that sit on the couch, uh, waiting for, that'll sit down and uh, wait for the next Netflix movie to be on on a Saturday afternoon, um, while the rest of us are going out and doing something, whether it's something active with our kids, our family, or something productive with work. And so... Yeah, I think people want uh, they they want they want people things to be equal, but they don't want to put in the equal amount of work that it takes to get uh, to become successful and get that equality in their life that they really deserve, but haven't went after. They just need to go after it, bro. Well, when you're talking about distribution of wealth, perfect example. All those people got a government check, right? So oh, yeah, either two or three times. How many of those do you think were like? Well, I better invest in this and myself and any program. I, I'm not going to yeah. say like an Anthony Robbins, Grand Car- uh, personal development, business development, side hustle, anything, H- how to create a YouTube channel, how to do uh, retail, commerce, e-commerce. What, what do you think the percentage of that was? 0.1? <laughs> oh, man. 1% of our population. Um, will will reach heavy wealth, you know, less than 1%. Three, the other 2% will will live above average lifestyles. Um, 10% will do well. And then, uh, and then another 25% just kind of run the mill of average. Then everybody else um, sits on the bottom spectrum of life. And, you know, to be able to go out and do things, I, I mean, here's what I was taught, Omar, you know, so it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter, Latino, African-American, doesn't matter if you're Asian, doesn't matter if you're, um, you know, why, it doesn't matter what your nationality is. I was just taught to go out. I, well, I was taught we were all created equal, right? And this drove me forever. This drove me for, for many, many years. And I think because I grew up in a less, uh, a less affluent area, I don't want to say that my parents didn't provide for it because they did. You know, we lived a very good middle-class lifestyle. And, um, and, it's, and I went to private school. My parents worked their ass off to put us to private education. And, um, and they, they believed that that was the means, right? But, you know, I was taught that we were all created equal. Yet, I lived in a world where we were, we were put against each other based on race, based on affluency, saying we weren't those type of people. We weren't, we, you know, it, it isn't people like us that achieve that type of, of success or buy those type of things or enjoy um, X, Y, and Z in life. And I sit back when I was young, I go, what the hell are they talking about, man? If God created us all equal, why can't I have a nicer dinner? Why can't I eat at that restaurant? Why can't I enjoy the better things in life? And Omar, that drove me, man. I, I'll tell you, when I was young, it, it it was one of those things that I wanted to prove to myself that if we were truly all created equal, I could go out and create what um, the quote unquote stereotypical white man had created. And why can't I enjoy that growing up in a less affluent uh, upbringing um, or area of upbringing? And so I, it drove me to prove to myself that we were all created equal. And I sit here now and bro, I'm like, we are created equal. You just have to have, you have to take the equality that we're built in and you have to go and put yourself through unordinary circumstances to achieve it but if you want it and you desire it it's there for you it's up for the taking but you have to be willing to go after it the thing is none of us well we said life isn't fair some of us are dealt better hands in a foot race maybe somebody got further ahead in the start line their starting position but you know what it doesn't matter it's how you finish and yeah. yeah, God created us not to struggle. He created us to thrive. So I don't know where this, hey, you know, my, my you know, one day, one day when I die, because I hear that from so many people, brother, yeah. God put you here to, to do great things, man, to be great. Quit, quit thinking like that. And and yeah, so many minorities, you know, I grew up in a predominantly Hispanic area, working class area in Miami. And it was always like for those other people, like what you said, yeah. success, you know, that's, that's not for us. You know, that, that's, 
that's for them. But it was to me, it was always like, why too? Like, since where was it written somewhere? Like, you know, some some undisclosed contract that that Latinos get that you know you have to say, hey, it is what it is, brother. Work hard, enjoy what you got, just be grateful. And don't be a pain in the ass and die. While the others, hey, you can't, don't don't really invest. It's rigged. It's for them. Did you ever hear that? That like the, the stock market and investing, it's like, it's it's rigged. It's better to, to place it underneath your mattress. Place it in the bank, you know, making point. Well, I guess back then, you know, 3%, 4% interest in the CD. That's living, you know, but everything yeah. else sketchy real estate no sketchy stock market sketchy everything's sketchy except working 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 retiring for a couple of years and then dying <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so what are you up to now omar what uh what what's your big push right now what do you currently got going on and and um what's your big push right now brother uh, my big push i just finished my second book uh vacation ceo it's about um scaling because so many people hey i want more time i, I want more vacation i let, let me open up my own business and then they don't realize that it's a process and a lot of people yeah. don't understand that process they, they become a slave to their business yeah so, you know you hear it all the time and it's like you and i have a background in franchising you own one congratulations you bought yourself a job two you need to scale to create money. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know any Subway. I don't know any Smoothie King. I don't know anybody unless you own like that. Well, not even a Chick Fil A because those are glorified managers. Most of that money goes yeah, back to the franchise. You can't I, even McDonald's. A McDonald's franchisee owns more than one location because yeah. you need to create wealth. You know, everybody yeah. sees. Every, everybody just sees the gross. They, you know, most, yeah, most they don't people, see the reality. Yeah. Cause I, I remember all the time, like, you know, my, my team members giving me deposits and they're, oh man, you did great. And it's like, well, um, yeah, I have to pay the landlord. I have to pay royalties, electricity, municipality, cost of good. No, no. You know, it's not like they're like, Hey, everybody, Omar is a great guy. It's all on us, man. We want to see you prosper. And by the way, the fairy the the fairy godmother is going to pay your all your employees. But you know, when whenever you try to explain that to people, they they look at you like, yeah, right. This is all going here. Yeah, you know, I'm 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 going to deposit this in my Swiss bank account and go to you know go to Monaco for the week. That's right. That's right. <laughs> no, I'm I'm doing that uh, more um, public speaking and. I sold out my businesses. Uh, it was a mutual thing between my franchise and and myself. They wanted to be heavily discounted. I didn't. You, you know, you 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 can't you can't. There's no free speech when you you own a franchise. You can't yeah. fuck the system. So they yeah. said they said ciao. And I'm, what can you do? But yeah, that and just the podcast. Uh, probably want to write a third book uh, and just show that you know there. I I don't believe it is what it is. You know, I, I go to all these events. We went to Ty Lopez's event. It was what? You, me, and the Uribes <laughs> were, were yeah. the only Latinos. Uh, you know, 10X can be in Miami. And besides the, the, the ticket takers and the ushers and all that, majority Caucasian. Yeah. So Anthony Robbins, et cetera, doesn't mean personal development, business development, all the above. Heck, yeah. My mom doesn't even believe in it. To this day, she's like, well, Anthony Roberts instead of Anthony Robbins. And, you know, if I say, hey, I'm going to go to this mastermind. Oh, my gosh. Another one. You know, the only people I make money are the speaker. So, you know, yeah. the, so when, when, when I, I, I see more people, that's why I'm on this this quest like Don Quixote chasing windmills to, to put more Latinos on my podcast, you know, and if I have to build, if I have to build my own stage and hire my own carpenters to, 
to create it so that we can be on the stage by all means. But yeah, no, that's that's a big push. Yeah, brother. Because before, you know, uh, just chasing money. Yeah. Yeah. And we all get caught up in it. And then it, it took a second. Money comes and goes, man. And and if you know how to create it, you can go back to zero. Like what you said with the distribution of wealth, you'll get it back. The problem is, is so many people live in scarcity. That's why the middle class like holds on to that money. Like, you know, like their last hundred dollar bill. They'd be like, do you want me to invest in this? Or you want me to go to this, this program on the weekend? You you want me to go to 10X or unleash like um UPW or Brendan Burchard or something like that? Boy, I'm plugging away everybody, I guess. They better start plugging me. No way on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's crazy. And you know, and that's what I said. People posting that that they qualify for government assistance on Facebook, like it, like it's something to be proud of. No, man, say this sucks. I need to level up my life. I need to create wealth. I need a, a new side hustle. I need to do something so that Uncle Sam doesn't give me this check. And instead of yeah. taking that check, they, hey, should I buy a new TV? Should I go to the Bahamas with it? No, it's like, why don't you sit your ass down, invest in yourself, and maybe you might start becoming lucky like some yeah. of the successful people. Yeah, <laughs> I'll get off my soapbox. Now. <laughs> yeah, no. But but yeah, man. I mean, shoot, for the past couple of years, you know, since our hanging out with Ty Lopez and all that, man, I I I see your videos. I I still look at the the Ty Lopez modules, and I'm like, I know that guy. I know Jerome. I know Jerome. And then whenever you you know all whenever you you plug yourself speaking on stage it's like you know that's something else i'm like you see we can speak on stage we we actually can speak coherent you know yeah. we, we don't all sound like like pitbull because you know a lot of times you know i'm somewhere and they expect me to go Dale. and i know i'm sorry you know i was born here oh but you don't have an act well you know if i was born in france i'd be you know speaking like i was jacques Cousteau. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's important for the young for the young generation, you know, especially there's a there's a big uh we have a, a big Latino, big Mexican population that's coming up in our country. And um, you know, a, a lot of these uh, young kids and I think, you know, I see now more affluency in the um in the immigrant population than I did when I was a kid. And so it's nice to see. And I think it it's been the growth of uh, our economics over the course of time that's allowed them, but most of them are in the blue collar fields. And so one thing that we always did, and I, I did this as a, at a young age, was I said, you know, um, I was taught that if you went into like the construction field, which I, I've been in, that you um, go into that because you, you're not educated. And it was just something that I was taught and say, if you want to get out of working in blue collar fields, you have to go to school and get better educated. Well, it depends who you're getting educated by. And so when I came in, I didn't realize how much money was actually made and how much revenue was available to me in, the, in a blue collar field like construction. Um, but what I did do at an early age is I said, you know what, what if I take a blue collar field that there's money in and I run it like a white collar professional and take that, that, that whole attitude with, uh, with running a white collar business in a blue collar field and treat white collar professionals that supposedly have the money, right? And so you take the money from white collar professionals in a blue collar field and you you profit from it. And so all you minorities out there that are working in the construction field, listen, you know, I always I always tell people, learn how to be a leader in the field and do things right. Run it like a white collar professional as if you're sitting uh, working in a doctor's office or in a law firm or in any white collar profession. And um, you'll you'll seek the you'll seek the revenue from the affluent, and when you do that, it's going to make you affluent, and it's reciprocating um, because wealth follows wealth, you know. And so I always tell people, you know, it doesn't matter what your ethnicity is; all that matters is where you want to go with it. And if you put your head down, you learn how to speak right. And I even tell my kids this, you know, because my son's playing football, and he's around kids that that talk with a lot of slang, and I tell him, you know. The better of, of two thirds of what you do and what you say regularly is going to become your predominance of how you speak, the way you speak. And so 
be careful how you do things because you don't want those what that slang that you utilize every day to become a, a permanent habit or a permanent way that you speak. And so I told him, speak with clarity, speak with pride, you know? And so I always tell people, I tell, I tell um, our people, I tell, you know, Hispanic population, the Latino population say, look, you know, speak with dignity, carry yourself with dignity and um, you're going to be treated with dignity. And so get yourself out of that rut, out of that rut that we've been put in and that we've put ourselves in and let yourself scale to some greatness, you know, and that's a big piece of it. And it's not subjecting yourself to the world that we live in. It's subjecting yourself to a better world that you can live in um, by just doing what it takes. And you have to be able to, um, you have to be able to attract the masses, right? And so there's only so many little Waynes in the world, meaning there's only so many people in the world that can tattoo their entire face and walk around and create wealth, right? So because there's only one or two of those that can do that in the world, um, become the betterment of who you are. And what you're doing doesn't matter what your ethnicity is and um, and go out there and uh, carry yourself with pride, dignity and respect to be able to drive yourself to a level that uh, most people in our genre and in our uh, in our upbringing don't reach because they stay stuck, you know, in that in that lower echelon um, migrate to the greatness, you know, go out and run your business like a white collar professional. Go out and run it um, so that you can go out and create wealth for yourself. And that's what we've done. You know, I took that blue collar field and we've been able to go out and we've been able to scale it. And um, the sky's the limit, man. Now, why why has there been such a negative connotation to the word blue collar? I mean, going to school for me, academia was always like, well, if you don't get a degree... It's blue collar. Yeah. Like, like, why, why is that such so frowned upon? You could get yeah, two. I, I have two degrees. That that and two dollars and fifty cents could get me a copy of the USA Today. USA Today. There's so many degrees that are like that, but yet we people frown upon. Like, if if you tell somebody, hey, yeah, my kid's not going to go to college. He's going to go to a trade school. He's going to learn how to be. Yeah. In, AC repairman. He's going to learn how how to be an electrician. Why is it that they're like, oh, like it? It, it just has such a neg- negative connotation for so many people, bro. It's not. It's it's changing, man. Um, there, this year there was more people that enrolled in trade schools than did medical school. First time ever. 2021 was the first year ever that more kids enrolled in trade schools than uh, than medical school, and so. You know, the world's starting to see it. There's a fluency in a lot of stuff. We ha- I, I have guys that set block that work for me that make six figures. You know, I, I, there's very few people that I know that get walk out of college and they're making six figures from the time they walk out of college. And yet I have guys, masons that are working for me, making six figures. I got concrete finishers that are out there that are making six figures. I have drywall guys that are making six figures. And why is it? It's because the trades are growing. Um, you know, there's money. People have to realize Okay. And, and I'm biased. I, um, I'm in the construction field, but the number one asset in the world, what is it? What's the number one asset that people have? Number one asset to me has always been time, man. Physical <laughs> asset though. Time, oh. yeah, time, time for sure. But physical asset that, that, they're, that they're supposed to be an asset. You can call it a liability, an asset, whatever it is, but what uh, is a it? Physical asset to me is, uh, let's see, free will. Well, their home, right? Like, like, like they're like a physical asset of their is their home, right? Like, oh yeah, yeah, their their home. It's so skewed because you know GC says it's not it's a liability. It's a real liability, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, you 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 know, I I I don't know how to answer that because I see the I see it both as an asset and as a liability. So you know, there is no right answer on that one, in my opinion. Yeah, I I see it as an asset. Yeah. So the reason I say it like that is like, is for this reason, right? Like you, and that's why I said it could be an asset or a liability, depending on how you look at it. And so, but the way America has sold us on, on, on assets and wealth, it's our primary residence, right? So, so we go in and we look at a, we look at a single family home and who builds that, that, that comes out of the construction trade, right? It isn't built out of a computer yet. I mean, that, that day is coming, but it's not built out of, out of a off a computer yet so it's it's the blue collar workers that build that house now when we go to work we're working in buildings who builds those 
those are large assets. One of the largest creations of wealth on this world is real estate, right? So when you think about the largest wealth creator in the world today being real estate, who builds that? The blue collar guys. You know, you take a look at it, our second largest um, holding of, uh, of net worth. It's our cars, our automobiles. So second largest um, purchase that we make as human beings um, for the average person, right? Who makes those automobiles? Blue collar or white collar workers? The white collar engineers um, are the ones that design them, but the blue collar workers are the ones that put them together. So the trades have become more, more recognized now as, um, as respectful as prior, they were just blue collar, uneducated people that were doing them because of computers. It's, it, uh, it's become a lot more sophisticated. So, you know, I think the trades are growing. I think that uh, kids have a lot more opportunity today than we did when we were kids. We didn't have a lot of choices. The word entrepreneur wasn't really taught. We didn't know what it meant. In fact, I, th- I was an entrepreneur for three years. Didn't even know what the word meant. You know, if you told me, Jerome, people come to you, oh, you're an entrepreneur. And I was like, yeah, I guess. Like, I didn't even know what the word meant for three years. You know, I think my fourth year in business, I was like, okay, I, I understood what the word meant. Um, and that, all ironically enough, was when we actually started making some money. But, um, but yeah, the trades are growing, and um, rightfully so. Uh, when you look at the world and the way the world works, and you think of our largest asset, quote unquote, right, our largest asset being a home, um, it would make sense that the trades are growing, and uh, and there's a fluency there because that's where money's created. Everything else reciprocates around homes, uh, furniture, food. Um, everything else reciprocates around uh, the, the development of construction and homes and, and real estate. Construction. One of the things that I love to watch your videos on, you, you make it look easy because you're a master at building, man. You're a master at building. You're, you're a master at commercial real estate, residential. <sighs> Can can some can somebody like me? I don't know why everybody thinks I'm handy manny. Like my neighbors and all that would always be, hey, can you come help me? <laughs> when I was married, like all our neighbors, I'm like, <laughs> I can't can, can so and, and it has nothing to do with I I I just I'm I'm a I'm a lefty, so you know I, I can't paint straight, I, I can't do anything. Can somebody like me do well following your programs? In, yes. in, in any aspect yeah. there's, there's more people like me than because I, I i i know you're the whiz but you know so somebody like me like i if there was an idiot's guide to to, to home building if it was an idiot's guide to commercial real estate that i'd be the first one to, to pick up that book <laughs> there is a there there is a uh a building 101 guide you know i think we've we've tried to recreate it it's not that hard. You know, I was in pharmacy school. I never knew anything about construction. The only calluses I have in my hand are from lifting weights. And, um, you know, I, I'm not out there slinging hammers and I, I never have been, um, outside of going to the job sites and checking on stuff. Um, I'm a, you know, I'm an, I'm an office guy. and We, uh, you know, I just learned how to, I just run, learned how to run a business in a blue collar field, quote unquote, blue collar field and generate a lot of wealth doing it. And yeah, anybody can do it. It's management skills. It's the same skills that you would have if you're running an accounting firm, uh, an engineering firm, um, or anything else. Um, and there are systems and processes to it, right? So in a lot of it's management skills. 90% of everything that we do is management skills. It's um, relationship building and management skills. Because really, I think I'm in the relationship business. Because everything in construction has to do with relationships and in networking. Just like anything else in sales and in any business, it's uh, it's relationships and sales. And, and that's construction. It's relationships and sales. You're selling yourself um, to subs, you're, uh, you're, you're marketing um, subcontractors, and you're managing people. So it's all about management, management and sales, relationships, and, um, and managing those relationships. But construction is just like anything else. It's like you're running any business, you know, and anybody can do it. You can do it too, Omar. I promise. It, it's just that we're always focused instead of asking better questions, asking why, like why it couldn't work. Why is it that we always focus on the negativity that we always focus on the roadblocks? Oh, I, I can't, I, I don't want to be a real estate investor because the broken toilets, you know, the, the broken toilet that everybody hears at yeah. you know, that excuse at, at 1am or, Oh, a commercial, 
real estate. Oh, how about if I own a you know a, a strip center and one of my one of my leases is in pain. Oh my gosh, then what? Have have you did the roadblock? You know, we we create the the roadblock on the oh well, I can't do this because you know nobody ever usually says I'm going to do it and do it. They'll always be like, oh, the toilets. Oh, like you see, I'm like, yeah, but I know. I know absolutely nothing about construction. And you said it best. It's all about connect connecting, communicating. When you told that to your to your son, yes, that, that's such an important tool because yep. the you know sales, we're all in sales, man. Yep. You know, you yep. have to connect, you have to give a, a person a compelling reason. A leader gives people compelling reasons. Hey, let's do this together, let's create this. Yep. Let's hit these targets. Well, you know, the boss who that is not a leader, do this, do that. Oh man, why do I have to keep on replacing everybody every couple of months? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's um it's been a great industry, it's been a great field, and I'll tell you that um it's just like anything, you know. Um there, there's people out there and they're making wealth um, doing internet marketing and I've been around a lot. Um computer and tech is big. Um, but there's there's a fluency anywhere. There's opportunity anywhere. Anything that's any type of growing industry, there's a there's a fluency. And so I tell our young professionals, I tell them, look, you know, stay focused on something. Um, you know, I, I there was one thing I commend myself on. Uh, not a lot, but a lot. But but one thing. There's one thing I do commend myself on. I look around and I see a lot of my friends that had businesses and they were doing extremely well at times, better than I was. Um, and so. I would look around and go, damn, I'm working so hard for so little compared to what they're doing. And I think it's so easy to look around as a young person and even as an old person and, um, and to compare yourself to what other people are doing in that moment. And we often forget to think about the long haul, right? Um, what, what's, what's the finish line? And because business and life truly is like a marathon, um, really all that matters is that finish line, where you're at at that finish line. And so one thing I've learned to take um, gratitude in is what I have currently, um, not to stay satisfied in a fashion where you don't drive yourself to do more, but satisfied in the fashion where you stop looking around what other people have in that moment and stay focused on, on what your long-term goals are. Um, there was times I want to throw the ball in on this, uh, on this uh, game of construction. It's a hard game, you know, just like anything. But it's, it's been a very financially lucrative and winning game for us. And at times, although it seemed the work outweighed the profits, and there was times where the stress felt like it was going to kill you before the profits came in the way you wanted them to, over the long haul, a lot of those guys that had done better than me in the moment don't, aren't doing that well right now. And um, I, I look at the long haul, and, and when I compare things and I stack things up compared to what I've done, although some of them have been harder, um, I look at my overall life and I'm grateful because I sit back and say, man, what if I would have, would have thrown in the ball too early? And what if I would have done, uh, what if I would have uh, got the shiny object syndrome and went and migrated trying to do what they've done and never really hit the nail on the head. And when I add up all our wins compared to most of the people around me, our wins outweigh them by a, uh, an extravagant margin. And it was because we just never gave up on what we were doing and we knew it was lucrative. we had always did well for us. Um, and although times seemed that there was other people doing things that were greater than us for larger profits, um, ours was very profitable and it turned into massing us fortunes. And I'm grateful because even, even what I hated at one point in time has taught me skills and wisdom that in industries like the commercial development space that has massed us fortunes that we wouldn't have massed without the, uh, the knowledge. Um, because the institutional assets now, Omar, that we've been able to put together um, came from little single family homes and um, little construction projects, driveways and sidewalks that we poured concrete on. And now we're in an asset class that individuals like myself, I'm not supposed to be in. I'm not supposed to be doing what I'm doing. Um, we're dealing with institutional assets. We're dealing with, with projects that are 80 million, 50 million, $100 million assets that a, 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 a small individual like Jerome that isn't supposed to be dealing with. Um, and we're dealing with them and we're getting loans on them and we're building them and we're owning them and we're keeping them. And, um, and so if, if a Hispanic kid from the other side of the train tracks, that grew up fist fighting for a living as a kid to get our way and push through 
And uh, the dyslexic kid that came from, um, you know, a harder than a, harder than average upbringing when it came to school, um, anybody can do it. And I and I, I truly adamantly believe that because there was times that I felt like I'd failed, and I was never going to be able to amount up to what the average person could uh, could obtain, even just in the workforce. And we've been proven. In fact, uh, a friend of mine asked me this weekend. You know, we were talking, and I said, you know, what's cool is that. You know, we're getting, you know, we're working on trying to get Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac approved and, and individuals don't do that. And so when I, when you think about, I told him, you know what, I just want to push to see if I can, you know, and I think so many people forget and they, uh, they never push themselves to see if they can, they just subject themselves to what's given to them. Um, so I, I, I encourage anybody who's watching this podcast to not just give the setup what you're given. But go out there and make sure that you push yourself to see if you can, you know, um, I'm still doing it. And um, I'm grateful that I am because I think that we're going to create some stuff here that um, this this young, short Hispanic kid from the other side of the train tracks wasn't supposed to. And only because I believed that I can, you know, and I think you can, too. Well, the, the thing is, there's three things in your favor. One, you had this undying belief and faith that no matter what you're going to get it done a lot of people don't a lot of people waver you kept on too it's like that book you know three feet from gold so many people start the process they work and they they feel like they're not getting anywhere and they quit right before finding true success it happens all all the time and three, yeah. you expanded your vision. Most people, the reason why we make what we make, the reason why people are stuck in their box is because they quit dreaming. They quit expanding their vision. You keep on expanding your vision. You said it best. Why can't I be Freddie Mac approved? Most people would be, ah, that's, that ain't happening. You, you set the sky's the limit. You keep on pushing past your goals and you're like, Hey, th- this, this is just, th- this is just my new base. Cause a lot of people are like, yeah, I arrived, man. This is it. I'm Hollywood baby. But you, you have this hunger. You're like, okay, we're here. Let, let's set up shop here. And this is the lowest I'll go. The only way to go is up. And that, that you keep on stacking. People stack a couple wins. They have a couple of dollars in their pockets, and they're like, "Hey, look at me! You know, I'm I, I'm the internet guy. I'm I, I'm the pretender spender." But you you want to create generational wealth that you know that pretty soon they'll be like, "Oh man!" They'll they'll be saying that that Jerome that guy was born wealthy. You know that guy that guy went to that guy lived in Santa Monica. That guy lived in Beverly Hills. Because, you know, once you find success, everybody, even people you grew up with would be like, oh, yeah, you know, he he had a Maserati out of high school. It's because people want people can't stand deep down inside that you came from the same place and you achieved while they're there, you know, because it's always, oh, well, he was lucky or, you know, Dick Clark came to your house and gave you a publisher's house check. You know, it's yeah, right. something goofy, yeah, man. Right. Yeah. You know, it, it hurts. It, yeah, hurts. it does, man. The ah. more success you create, the more, the more yeah, it makes them look like they failed. You, 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 right? It, it's easier yeah. to play victim and go, oh, man, Jerome had all the, you know, you know, he fell into money or he did that because it's, it hurts to say, I am where I am because of who I am. What I did. And lack of action. Yeah. So let's talk. It's. We need to plug. We need to promote because that's what life's about. Let's promote, promote, promote. So talk to me about this real estate domination. Where is it? When is it? How do I get a ticket? Yeah. So I'll, I'll send you over a link, Omar. Um, real estate domination is an event I created four years ago. Um, it's our. It's a full value event. Um, it's it's really for the masses of people that want to learn how to invest and get involved in real estate investing. This is, this is probably one of the most important years that people attend something like this. And, and the problem is there's nothing like this out in the world right now. Um, it's, a, it's an all value event. The, the lineup that we put are colleagues of mine that actually te- that actually work side by side with me. 
um, doing what we do each day um, from our cost segregation people teaching us how to benefit from the taxes of real estate um, to our multifamily experts, one of them being my business partner, Kyle Mitchell. Um, you know, we have people like Cody Sperber doing these big high end flips. Um, you know, you guys seen him in front of Chase Bank with his green Lamborghini and his son. Um, and, you know, we get I, I put together a, a group of really high end professionals. And in a recessionary market where interest rates are going through the roof, inflation is going through the roof, and people are sitting back scared, but they hear there's opportunity, Omar, they hear that there's opportunity out there, but they just don't understand how to get their hands around it. They think they do. They, um, they want to try, but they just, don't, they, they just can't quite grasp it. Now, right now, more than ever, is probably the most important time to invest in education, um, especially in this market sector, because this isn't like education where you go in and um, and you go get a degree becoming an accountant, although universities right now, more than ever in recessionary markets, their enrollment goes through the roof. More people enroll in trade schools and, and in college than any other time in history during a recessionary market. This is the time that you need to learn how to invest in yourself. Um, I'll tell you guys, I had a mentor years ago and he told me, he said, I asked him, I said, how do I, how do I make this work? And he goes, you get trained, you go to training. And then I go, what do I do after I go to training? He goes, go to another training. And just and I go, okay, well, how about my second? Another one. Until you figure shit out. And so right now is probably the most important time. Um, wealth can be massed during one recession if you figure out how to do it correctly. We're on the beginning, infancy stages of this recession. And if people really understand how they can pivot and take advantage of what's happening right now in the world, um, they themselves can set themselves up for the rest of their lives just with a few correct investments, or they can make the wrong investment and ruin themselves financially. And so right now, more than ever, it's important for them to be a part of something like real estate domination. It's my gift to the world. Um, these things cost me money to put on um, a lot. I've invested over a half a million dollars of my own money to put on this event this year. It's going to be a big stage. It's going to be a big event. We're going to have hundreds and hundreds of people there. Uh, we're bringing in celebrity guests to entertain the people that are coming. Um, but I'll tell you guys, it's in Las Vegas, Nevada, November 4th, 5th, and 6th. Um, we're in the MGM com um, Convention Center, part of the MGM Grand Hotel and Casino. And uh, we're going big this year for you guys. Um, you know, we got we got lunches and brunches, dinners and, uh, and uh, entertainment, and it's going to be a great event. And so if you haven't bought a ticket, um, do so. Um, just make sure you get there. And uh, it's going to be the first week of November, Omar, and it's going to be a great one. This is going to be one of the best. We, we have a couple surprise guests that we're working on right now, finishing up some final um, logistics of getting them there. And so we're going to be adding to the party. Um, there's going to be two surprise um, people that are going to be coming in. So if you've already purchased your ticket, um, you're lucky. If you haven't, get your ticket now, because once we, once we reveal these guests, we are limited on capacity. There's a big conference in town that weekend. Once we hit over 600 people, we're done. We, there's no venue that can host us right now. And so we are limited at 600 people. Once we hit 600, we are done. We cannot sell another ticket. So get yours. No, that's intimate, man. 600. And you know what? Not only that, not only knowledge, but it's all about the connections. You get in rooms like this and, and don't ever be like, don't check the ego at the door. Who cares if, you know, you're, you're, you're the poorest in the room. You don't want to be the richest in any room. You definitely don't want to be the smartest in the room. And also, man, Emmett Smith, I'm not a cowboy fan, but I, I see he's, he's not a surprise guest. Is he speaking or is he just like a celebrity mingle, shake hands, autograph stuff, et cetera. Doing both. Yeah. He's going to be speaking. He'll be speaking on Friday. Um, he'll be there Friday late afternoon, and uh, he'll be one of our keynote speakers. Um, for people that don't know, he worked for Roger Starbuck. He didn't work for him. He he was mentored by Roger Starbuck. Roger Starbuck sold a Starbuck Enterprises, um, one of the large commercial um, real estate firm, for six hundred million dollars. Uh, mentored um, Emmett Smith when he was out of the just out of the uh, football arena. And Emmett Smith owned E. Smith uh, Real Estate Realty. It's a big commercial real estate company in Dallas. And he owns uh, E. Smith Legacy um, Development. And um, it, the legacy development uh, are Emmett Smith's in the Dallas sector. And so Emmett's in the uh, commercial real estate development sector and in the commercial real estate uh, uh, investing sector. 
So he's going to bring his real life, life success knowledge in from football and um, his real life success, wisdom, real estate, and bring it to the stage. And um, you guys get to see somebody like Emmett Smith up there that talks about business and uh, real estate and how it's benefited his life and what he's doing. And I'll let him tell his story, right? Like, you know, I'm excited to see him as well. I've never seen Emmett Smith live in this, in this type of sector arena. Um, so I retained him to come in and, and, and talk on behalf of real estate domination. And he's going to be able to hang out, co-mingle, take some pictures and, and do a little bit of this and that as well. And so, yeah, so we're bringing in people like Emmett Smith. I try to bring in not only celebrity guests, but people that were relevant to the space. So having somebody that's not only a professional, but relevant to the space, I think is super important. So then this is this is for everybody and anybody. The, yep. the person that's anybody, everybody. invested in real estate can can attend this as well? Yeah, you don't even have to have invested in real estate. If it's something that you sit back and look, Omar, you, you know as well as I do, 99% of people out there, they sit back and they go, they, they aspire to do something in real estate because it has truly created more wealth you know, than anything in the world. Even people that are in e-commerce, other businesses, other business owners, they come to me and they say, Jerome, I've got to get my piece of my real estate portfolio put together. So it doesn't really even matter what sector you're in. You could be a crypto guy. And I'm um, sitting back. In fact, if you're a crypto guy, you probably need this more than anybody because you need to house that money someplace outside of cryptocurrency because um, that, you know, there's so much volatility in that um, real estate will give you some stability. And so I, I tell people from every profession, you know, and um, um, our following shows it. We have doctors, physicians, attorneys. We have white collar professionals, as we spoke about. We have people of all different ethnicities, people from seven different countries that are part of, of, of our uh, our program and inner circle. And we have people in every major city across the United States that are now um, getting educated through our platform. And so it doesn't matter who you are, what walk of life, what ethnicity you come from. We have them all. We have people from Asian, African, um, Chinese, Japanese, um, people from Nigeria, Canadians, French. We have people from um, Italy, uh, Mexico, um, Cubans. Um, We have people from all over this world. And it's cool. We have a lot of we, uh, to have uh, to be that part of that of influencing people from all over the world to do what we do and have success doing it is priceless. And so, if you want to be one of them, um, don't exclude yourself. Click and grab a ticket for sure. Sounds great. Now, more importantly, how do we get a hold of you? Is there a way to hire Jerome Maldonado? Is there a way to hire your team? Is there modules? What's the best way? I, I, I know how to find you because I'm, I've known you for years. We're internet friends. I, I social media stalk you just to see your wins. I, I'm not one of those people. There, there's two types of people. There are, I can't believe, you know, th- those that get bent and twisted, which is the majority. But whenever I see people successful, one, I'm like, yeah, especially people I know, I cheer them on. And two, it motivates me. It's like, man. I better get off my ass. <laughs> yeah, right? That's awesome. <laughs> because yeah. that, that's well, the way to live in abundance, man. Because the people that are all bent and twisted, it's because they think there's like this small scarcity pile. You know, if Uncle Sam has a Xerox machine that can print money, that's what wealth is. It, it's an infinite amount. Yeah, yeah there's, there's, there's plenty for money, right? They're, they're, bro, we're not taking it from someone else. Yeah, bro, there's plenty for everybody. It's a jealousy mindset, man. It's one of the, the six negative emotions, man. It's um, There's plenty for everybody. Um, you know, when 2007 hit, 2008 hit, and the recession of 2008 really came upon, uh, we, we, we worked on trying to get these people, um, our subcontractors and stuff, uh, having uh, fluent incomes and, and making sure that they were fed. You know, and it's going to happen again today. And so there's plenty for everybody out there. There's no need for anybody to step on anybody's toes. There's there's plenty for everybody out there. And and I'm like you, man, I just want to see people win. Um, the, the world is too short and, and there's a lot of nastiness out there as far as jealousy. There's no need for that, man. It's just, uh, you know, let's get people let's get people winning, because if you look at a winning team, you look at the Super Bowl, you look at the NBA finals, you look at the Stanley Cup, you look at any of that stuff. Um, it's not one player on that team that's incredible. It's the entire team as a whole. And I tell my kids this because in sports, man, parents are nasty. And it's the same thing that happens in business. People get very jealous. People get very um, envious. And they want to tear you down because the more success you have, the more it makes them feel like they failed. And so I tell people this. Greatness is created in masses. 
you cannot move, you cannot move mountains, meaning you cannot move this world in a positive direction without masses of people coming along with you. And in this journey of life and entrepreneurship, it's a lonely journey because there's very few of us that really um, do what it takes and aspire to get what we, um, what, what we can truly get out of life. But if we did and we pushed more people towards those masses, imagine what we could do together. And so I, live peop- I leave people with this. Help your fellow worker, your, your, your fellow colleagues, professionals, family members. And if you decide that you just you want to do less, leave them alone. Let them go out there and move mountains because together we can truly all do more. And, um, you know, uh, I, I want to keep seeing you win, Omar, and I want to keep seeing you uh, successful in what you're doing. And um, I appreciate um, you having me as part of your podcast. And, um, you know, I appreciate you uh, supporting what we're doing with our event. And, um, and those of you guys who are watching, I believe that there's somebody out there right now, if we can make move the life of one person with this podcast, then uh, we, we've successfully did our job today and it's been worth the time that we spent. Brother, it's honored to have you. When, when your publicist sent me a link for all, all these other cats, I'm like, Jerome, I'm like, I need to have Jerome. He's like, you know, Jerome. I'm like, do I know Jerome? Yeah, I know Jerome. Now, clearly, you know, common sense. Hey, I lack it. I could have always DM'd you. Hey, yeah. But you know, I, I see you like the jet set always going around. So, you know, but when, yeah, I, I'm honored to have you. I, my my eyes got dilated. Like if I was the fat kid at a bakery. <laughs> when, I, when I saw the list of all his clients. Yeah, brother, you're, you're, you're the first. You 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 took priority all over all, all his other clients, man. Because I, I love you, I appreciate the work you do. You are a person that's service. You want to see people win. You don't see people as checking accounts. You see, because we all grew up. The, hey, SoCal here, uh, the Umbario is a barrio. It doesn't matter what it's called. You know what? It doesn't matter the ethnicity. Working class is working class. Middle class is middle class. You've arrived and you want to help others thrive. So that I tip my hat off to you. Yeah. Lomar, we just keep on pushing through this thing, man. Um, You know, we don't know when our expiration date is. So we just keep pushing through this game. And um, I love life and I want people to win on it. And Omar, I appreciate you, brother. And I thank you for, for having me, seeking me out and uh, make you help, uh, allowing me to be a part of your podcast and uh, inter- introduce me to your audience. And if people want to find me, um, I'm real easy. My, my social media is exactly the same as it is. And as my name is, it appears here on the podcast, Jerome Maldonado. You can hit me up on any social media platform. Instagram is the only one that's Jerome Maldonado and the number one. Everything else is just Jerome Maldonado from LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you name it. We're pretty easy to find. Um, DM us, reach out to us. We've got a full team that's responding back, including myself. I, I'm actually, I actually sit down on Saturday night sometimes and as I sit on the couch and, uh, and unwind for 30 minutes. I'll sit back and I'll even myself go through some of those social media DMs and just see what the world is, is bringing to us. Um, so you're easy to find. And Omar, thank you, my bro. Really appreciate you. Really appreciate your time. And thank you for having me. And one last thing, brother. You might see me there as long as St. Peter doesn't doesn't call my number out, out November. Vegas. Nice. And I got to tell everybody, screw having your picture taken. Yeah, it, it's fine and dandy, Emmett Smith. But the one person that I would love to have my picture with, I've met him in person and all that. And he makes me tall, and I'm 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 just like this much taller than you, brother. Go go get your picture taken with Jerome. He's he he might not have played for the Cowboys, but some would say he's a saint. All right, brother, I love you, man. Love you, bro. Thank you, man. Omar, appreciate you, brother. You I have yourself a good day. You too. I never told no one that. How do you get influencers to talk about your business? AccessMyNetwork.com. Collaborate with industry-leading influencers on social media when you sign up. AccessMyNetwork.com. Start your brand awareness campaigns and generate leads. AccessMyNetwork.com. I never told no one that. My whole life I've been holding back. Every time I load my gun up so I can shoot for the stars. I hear a voice like, who do you think? 
think you are Negative thoughts come to mind when I start thinking bold Like why you chasing dreams, aren't you getting kinda old? Woo. I knew I needed help I had no self-confidence Didn't believe in myself I tried not to feel or listen to my intuition To start a business But before I even started I feel like it's finished You got a vision And let me say I don't care if they're your blood Got the same DNA They can't feel how you feel They can't see what you see Wanna change your life You gotta change the way you think The thoughts in your mind Is the boss of your life Nothing but good vibes Every day I'm thinking like What is it dear? What if you took action and made it happen and started living inside of your purpose? What if it did work? Right now you can make the choice to never listen to that negative voice no more. The hardest prison to escape is our own mind. I was trapped inside that prison all for a long time. To make it happen, you gotta take action. Just imagine what if it did work?